Simmerdown Sports Talk is back with episode 62. We're going to talk about our NFL takeaways finally through the first two weeks of the season. Jake here, here with Flavortown. And oh, we, we got, <laughs> we're bringing a lot of flavor to this episode. And uh, we're going to start it off talking about how bad the Giants have been. Finn, I hate to break it to you, but Aaron Rodgers, he still played more snaps than the Giants scored points in week one. How do how you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. I guess, I guess the plan is right. Is we're going to be bad this year. Hopefully get a top five pick, maybe get Marvin Harrison jr. Run Daniel Jones out of town next year and then get shorter Sanders and uh, move on from there. That's how I see it. You know, I'm a visionary. I, I look into the future. I don't, that I don't was, yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty clear, concise, pretty solid. Um, I mean, I will say there are five quarterbacks that have a worse, pass rating than Daniel Jones and it is not a list of quarterbacks that I would want to be on honestly <laughs> you got Zach Wilson at the bottom Bryce Young at second to bottom who by the way has not looked good yeah well, and, welcome welcome to the NFL welcome the NFL, for yeah. Bryce Young that's, that has been a tough good. stretch 0-2 compared to the rest of the NFC South like of all divisions this was not supposed to be a good division and the Panthers are find themselves at the bottom my my predicted number three seed in the NFC not looking good oh. right now yeah, that take that take is that take that, 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 that might take be freezing is cold. That might be cold. It's cold, but it might be freezing. Yeah, it's not in the fridge yet. You know, it's like it's kind of like that like chicken that you like. You know, you just got at the grocery store and you put it in the freezer and like it's kind of frozen, but like not full. You know, it could like you could you know it could thaw or you take it out and it thaws a little <laughs> bit. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of a rough metaphor there, but yeah, I mean it's it's Bryce Young, then Deshaun Watson, then Kenny Pickett, then Ryan Tannehill, and then Daniel Jones. Wow. So, uh, yeah, Giants. Giants. Uh, I mean, it's all. It also doesn't help that we probably have the worst receiving core of any team in the last decade. But you know, it is what it is. And it's not just offense. It's it's a little bit of a defensive struggle too. And you watched the Giants game last night against the 49ers, and they didn't get completely dominated up front, especially when it was the. Fortnite's offense on the field versus Giants D, but they just left like a little bit too much space for McCaffrey to do his thing and wiggle out. And if you miss a tackle, he's going to make you pay too. And it was just, they, they just didn't quite have it last night, but Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, he had a first, a rough first couple weeks. And he, he said there's a, there's a lot of social media GMs quote unquote out there talking when, about his zero tackle stat line and the team's win versus the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't really want to have zero tackles in, uh, against the Cardinals of all teams. And he said, you know, making tackles is difficult because the Cardinals just kept running the ball on the opposite side where he was lined up. So they, they were not going at him purposely, according to him. And main priority for him was contributing to the team and winning the game, not individual stats. But he literally had zero pressures, zero, <laughs> zero sacks the first two weeks. Uh, not what you like to see. He did. He he did find some luck uh, on Thursday night. He did come out with the sack and the loss, but uh, that that is it. That is tough. <laughs> not not exactly what you want to see from one of your what's supposed to be one of your star players, number former number top five pick, uh, number fifth overall pick in the draft a couple years ago. So yeah, rough start for the Giants, and yeah, definitely two steps back the season already. A step back every every week it seems like the season. 
after what was a promising year, making the most out of what, what they had. Yeah, and it's not going to get any easier with just being in the NFC East and just how good the Eagles and Cowboys look this year. So, I, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a long season. That's all I want to say. I'm sure. I'm sure as the weeks go, kind of get checked off. There'll be more things to talk about that I won't want to talk about. But um, you just, you how about we move it. to how about we move to kind of our shared mutual team that your team, the Chargers. Oh, I mean, if we're gonna talk about if we're gonna talk about at least like the Giants, you know, it's like there wasn't like that many expectations that we were gonna be that good. I mean, we made the playoffs, but I think everyone knew that that was kind of a fluke. Like, what's going on with Brandon Staley, man? I don't know. Uh, what I do know is the Chargers are the only team to ever start zero two, despite scoring fifty plus points with no turnovers in the first two weeks of the season. Another category the Chargers are putting themselves in, just to make them stand out even more in the worst way possible. This is this is typical Chargers. It's just amazing. And it's not too soon to say Brandon Staley has to go. I don't think that's an overreaction on, you know, after week two of the NFL season. I think we, we have seen enough. <clears throat> it is clear that nothing's changed. I mean, he, he did kind of rip a reporter after they asked him if the Jacksonville loss is um, carried over into the season. And he, he handled the question really well. And I think he represents himself actually really well. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. He does not sound incompetent when he goes to the podium. He is prepared. He is ready to take on all the hard questions. And he is ready to give all the answers. It's just, it's been a tough situation. I I really like him as a person. I think he he might be a good leader, but just overall as a coach, and the IQ is just lacking clearly on defense. And you can't just keep, having Justin Herbert trying to bail you out of games every single week and expect it to happen. Couldn't even get it done against the Titans of all teams last week. Uh, and that's a team like you would, you would want to ideally score 30 points on. If, if, and if you can't, there's also some issues there as well. So if, if Herbert comes out with an off game, this team is screwed. And that happened to be the case in week two. And it's, it's not Justin Herbert's fault. It's, a lot of this has to do with the defensive woes and, I'm ready for some change. Uh, the Chargers are have too much talent to be this low of a product on the field. I, I think we all can agree on that. Yeah, I, I just think the thing with the Chargers, right, is that it's also like when you look at the offense, you're not really getting the production. Um, I mean, you, obviously Herbert's been playing well, but like you're not really getting the production from the receivers that I think everyone expected um, them to have. Right. I mean, Justin Herbert is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, um, at least right now, statistically. But, you know, I, I think like. Or at least right, contract, yeah. contractually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that. that yeah. <laughs> and and I think, again, like, you know, the argument I think a lot of people kind of have been promoting recently is this idea, right, that like Justin Herbert's kind of one of those like Kirk Cousins type QBs where like, you know, he puts up these big numbers like he has great games, but like he just doesn't get it done. Yeah, he, he's the, the social media quarterback, apparently. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't know, because, like, Herbert, for me, like, you know, he's not a vocal guy. He's not a guy that's in the media saying, you know, whatever's on his mind. You know, he doesn't have, like, this kind of, like, big presence or personality in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks in the league. And so I think that kind of opens him up for a lot of flack, because I, I, I do think a lot of fans out that aren't Charger fans or don't follow the team 
would probably say right that like he's not like a leader or not like a vocal guy that's like gonna like command the locker room and maybe that is a problem but like i don't think that's really who he is you know like he's he's that type of guy that like kind of plays quarterback the way a lot of other guys play other positions where it's like i'm here to you know do the best i can and like you know just work and hustle and play that you know play to my abilities but i mean recently yeah i i just think the thing with the chargers right is like do you want to go and fire Brendan Staley right now and, and, and look for a new coach? Or do you want to kind of just see how the rest of this season goes? I mean, I think a lot of Charger fans would say too, right? That like Staley at times has been like a, you know, kind of like a a good leader and like a good motivator and like obviously like players like playing for him. But it just like, again, like a guy who was, who came in as, as a defensive guru, uh, guru so to speak, is it, it, he he's consistently had one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and it's not like they don't have quality guys on the defensive side of the ball either. I mean, and yeah, the main the main thing on his resume to show that he is a defensive guru is the one year he was defense coordinator for the Rams with a loaded defensive unit and everybody in their prime. I mean, and it, it's you know he clearly he was carried uh, quite a bit, and it sure seems like because none of that has translated to the Chargers, none of that, and. It's just been defensive bus and constant problems being physical and it's the same issues at defensive tackle, linebacker, corner, it, and say even safety really. It's just how things have not gotten better and he's obviously he's not in charge of making the personnel decisions, but you can't like go to bat go to bat for these guys that won't even be on the team next year. You can't have that much confidence in guys that aren't even that good. Like so it's it's yeah, it's nothing's changing and Something's, something has to if you don't want to waste all the vet. It's not just Justin Herbert's young. You can't just say he's young and like, oh, who cares? Like, we're, it's, we, we still have all the years after this. Well, you still have a lot of vets on this team that their, their window is closing, you know, and on playing at the level that they're playing at. So, and a couple guys might just be a couple big injuries away from not seeing the field very much anymore, you know, and not being the same player. So, yeah, something something definitely has to change, and that that's that with the Chargers. And I kind of wonder, do how how many losses does it take? Do they have to start zero and three? Do they have to start zero and four before Staley's gone? Like, what what how what would it take? You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah, I I think it's, I mean, again, right, and it's also like the, it's frustrating too because of course now the AFC West is kind of looks a little weak this year like there really hasn't been a team that's kind of pulled away and obviously the chiefs are going to be in control but it's like this this kind of seemed like the way the chiefs are playing right now where they don't have a good receiving core kelsey's injured like early in the season was the time for the charters to make this jump right it was the time for them to like get quality wins and like again like going to tennessee and losing like that it's one thing to lose to a team like miami it's another thing to lose to a team like the titans yes most definitely. Uh, that's a game that you should win. T- the Titans don't have any momentum for them right now. No, I mean, they're just like one of, they're just like kind of one of those teams that, you know, clearly is in limbo about whether or not they want to tank for a real quarterback or see if Will Levis is anything. But like, you know, we know Ryan Tannehill, we know what he's going to do. And, you know, that's just, that's one of those games where, you know, you have to go on the road and you have to win that because I think, you know, with the Chargers, right, like that's one I think we're going to look at in week 17 and go, okay, like if they're on the cusp of that wild card, you know, was that a game that like could have made the difference? Yeah, no, for sure. And 
That being said, I think we got to move on, though. We got we got a huge slate of things to cover and a two-for-one special at Clown of the Week. And we got to start off real quick with a little appetizer here for Clown of the Week. And NFL players constantly bring up the grass versus turf debate. And you kind of just – every time you hear this come up, you kind of just, like, think of the Stephen A. soundbite where he's like, I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you. <laughs> Like every single time. I mean, the NFL truly does not care. You're seeing pretty much a new stadium every year implement turf now. They're they're switching to turf at least one stadium a year. It's not even taking a new stadium for there to be turf to get put in these stadiums. It's literally last uh, this season it was the Tennessee Titans put in turf, Nissan Stadium. And they're probably going to get a new stadium soon anyways. And then the Carolina Panthers started last season. They put it in turf right before the start. And so that's already two stadiums, huge swing. And now it's become 16 stadiums have grass. It feels like a lot less and compared to 14 with turf. And even MetLife, they, instead of all out of all of after the super long detailed history of injuries on, on their at their stadium with the, their turf, which is considered like the worst turf in professional sports, potentially, or at least in the NFL, they decided to just switch the turf to make it better, more quality in whatever way, a different kind of synthetic turf, I think is what it was called. And clearly that didn't make a difference because week one, Aaron Rodgers is already done. And so how about them apples? And it's not going well. And it's just, so it's, it's mind boggling to me that people, that it's first of all, that the NFL does not change anything about this because this clearly has been an issue and clearly the players feel some type of way about it and to keep bringing it up. But the fact that they keep bringing it up is also hilarious because we know they don't care. It's clearly just about money. The owners only care about maximizing their dollars and their pockets and nothing's going to change unless quarterbacks, we saw more Aaron Rodgers, you know, occurrences where the quarterback is going down on like a gnarly sack because of turf, you know, and the way that their their feet are stuck in the ground going down or whatever. If we saw more quarterbacks getting hurt because of turf, then there might be some change. But for the foreseeable future, don't expect a single thing to change. The grass versus turf debate, it's a, it's a, and it's a popular debate, but it's comical that it's so popular because there's no debate with the NFL. No, nothing is going to change anytime soon. Well, I mean, I, I think you look at other sports, right? This is kind of an American issue when you think about it. I mean, like if you if you watch soccer, like you never ever ever see uh, football cl- soccer clubs um, used turf. Like it's all grass. I mean, they 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 have the fields uh, watered down like in between half in between uh, the two halves, and then also before the game and also after the game. Like, they what about? What about, what about the Premier League? What are they doing in, in the, the top league in Europe? What are the, what well, are all doing? the all the top leagues in Europe have grass. Like it's, it's everybody has grass. Yeah, so like that's why when you like watch soccer, like if so you see someone like slide like like after celebrating, they'll go really far. Is because most soccer fields or professional soccer fields are grass and they water them pretty heavily before the game, so the ball moves quickly and like the ground is wet, and so. I'm not, I don't think the NFL wants to do that because that's not really like for soccer, it makes sense, but it doesn't really make sense for the NFL. But like even in the MLS right now with Messi in the league, there's been some controversy as to like whether or not the team, the MLS teams that have turf, like are, is that part of the problem why a lot of guys don't want to come play in the MLS is because 
it's like just you're more prone to injuries. And I've played soccer on turf and on grass. And I can tell you like grass is significantly better. I mean, if you're, if you're just messing about turf can be fine, but like when it comes to like actually playing a real game of soccer, everyone would rather play on, on grass. And so I think for the NFL, it's the same thing where it's like a lot of these guys, you know, they went to like a college where they had grass fields or, you know, they played on grass in high school. And, and I know that's really uncommon now in the United States, but I think there is statistical evidence from what I've seen that playing on turf does lead to more injuries. And I think that's, that's a given because it's turf and it's just like, it's not natural. And we saw the Astro turf era when in the nineties and early two thousands in the NFL, and how that was basically like playing on concrete. And so I think, I think there's a point, but I think again, right. Like it's, it's, it's a lot easier to kind of maneuver a turf field than it is to maneuver a grass field. But I mean, even in baseball, right? Like it's grass at the MLB level. Um, even in I'm trying to think like what other sport honestly uses turf and like outside of football, right? You can't really like think of one outside I mean, like, you know, I think, lacrosse and all that type of stuff. But like, I think, um, I don't know about the Texas Rangers new ballpark. If they use grass, I'm, I'm guessing it's grass, but like I know, grass. um, but like the blue Jays, I think they have turf, right? Um, so it's it's like it's not everyone and, uses grass in the MLB and, and and the Rays, but that's because they have very enclosed stadiums. It just makes more sense for them, I guess. But for the most part, grass is the standard and pretty much going to be the main surface, you know, in baseball. And I don't know why soccer can pretty much get it right. Obviously, the MLS still, like uses a lot of the same fields that the NFL uses, probably, and has some turf being used in there. But Europeans soccer can get it right or pretty much the rest of the international world, it seems like. And then there's the NFL and how much money that they're making. And then this is what they are giving the players. So this is not about player safety. Uh, if this was, if they really cared that much about player safety, it's only about quarterback safety. <laughs> it's not going to be about player yeah. safety. So, yeah, because those are the guys, those are the faces of the franchise bringing in the dollars and changing the fortunes. So, and the Alex of the teams. So yeah, it's it's just a it's a funny debate and But there uh, there's some grass fields, right, in the NFL. Like Lambeau Field, I'm pretty sure is grass. Um No, no, there there's sixteen stadiums still, but it sure feels like it is less than half the league at this point has grass stadiums. It feels like there's a lot more turf. It's but it's somehow still sixteen to fourteen. But every single year it seems like there is a new stadium pretty much changing the turf um to maximize revenue and whatnot. So well, it also doesn't help too that like, you know, we're seeing so many teams push to make new stadiums. Obviously like the Titans are going to get a new one. It's going to um, be indoor. Um, yeah. yeah and, and all, the, all of them are indoor because like, it's just what I think a lot of these teams have realized too, you know, it's obviously, I think, I think it's, it's kind of annoying to have the, the, uh, all the new stadiums be indoor. I think kind of the point of football, right. Is that like, it's a outdoor sport. Like there's conditions, like you're not yeah. always going to play like in a perfect setting and, and that's what makes games fun, right? It's it like, is kind of a characteristic to that, yeah. Especially when like you get in those December games or maybe a couple early playoff yeah. games, and there's a snowstorm, there's a snow game, you know. And but I I do hate seeing rain games. Yeah, right. But like, but like, think about it. it makes it more interesting because you got to adjust. Like as a game, like as a, as a coordinator, like you know, as an offensive coordinator, right? Like if you're playing a playoff game in Green Bay in the middle of the winter you're going to adjust your game plan and you probably will have a different scheme and a different set of plays that you're going to call versus if you were like, you know, 
playing in San Francisco. So let's say it's like the 49ers versus the, the Packers. And that's why I think the NFL's really interesting is because like you kind of add that element to the to the situation, right? Because it's like it's like the 49ers right now are a way better team than the Packers. But like let's say for some reason the 49ers have to play the Packers on the road this year or something, or I don't know. Like it gives that those underdog teams the edge because they they're they're more comfortable playing in that setting. I mean, it's the same reason why why, right, like certain franchises look more heavily into guys at the college level that played in colder environments, right? Cold like, weather, yeah. Cold weather definitely has something to do with it. Wet games, I think, are a different story, though. I mean, do you are you really dying to watch, let's say, a bunch of playoff games, especially if you had the Bengals, let's say, meeting up with the Chiefs again, inevitably in the playoffs, that trilogy, and instead we get the worst rain conditions possible? Like, is Burrow versus Mahomes a great rivalry when it's in the rain? No, it's not. That's going to dramatically change the entire optics of the game. And it's not going to be fun for anybody, not for the fans watching. It's not going to be a great time for the players because they got to figure out what the hell to even do in this rain. And it just comes down to who can run the football better. Like that, that's boring to me. And it's not, it's not, that's not football at that point to me because we know how the game has changed and it's become a passing league. And a lot of teams can't be dynamic and pass the ball the same way and push the ball down the field when you get all these rain games. And so I hate to see rain games and especially when it, you know, F's your fantasy team. Um, that's, an, you know, and that's another story. And I hate how they don't really make the weather reports more public in fantasy news. Well, I mean, you could up. just, you could just, Oh yeah. You could, you could be the weatherman yourself. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Have fun. It's not, it's not weather sports. It's fantasy. Yeah, but, you know, but you can pull out your old phone and go to the weather app. And I mean, like if uh, all those guys listening out there right now, like we, you know, you, you got time, like it's a Friday night tonight. I bet like, some of you might be going out. This episode won't come out probably by t- tonight, but like, you know what I mean? Like you'll be out like at some point, like in the next few weeks. And if you see like a rain game coming on, like, or, you know, you don't want to talk to girls. You want to be on the weather app. So like next time you're out with a <laughs> bunch of girls and you know, you, God, imagine you obviously are going to be on your calculator or on the weather app. Use that weather app to your advantage, man. Win your fantasy league. <laughs> Norm- normalize spending time entertaining yourself on the weather app that would be ridiculous when you're out when you're out partying you know what like i'm not gonna lie though like that that does happen a lot it is already normalized <laughs> oh man um okay we, we gotta move on we gotta move on here so clown of the week part two the, the real the real candidate the real here one. that got themselves slotted in here and it's actually the buffalo bills after a gnarly week one loss to an aaron Rodgers list Jets team, a team that had the entire hype train, hype train just completely crashed, and there wasn't any momentum for the Jets other than trying to, you know, recollect themselves and play for Aaron Rodgers, and the Bills somehow still found a way to choke on Monday Night Football in MetLife Stadium against the New York Jets, and it's just kind of you know ridiculous or it's it's been very up and down with the bills i think especially since um you go back to last year when von miller tore his acl on thanksgiving and they they clearly that that took a lot of a lot of air out of the you know the ball it's um took a lot of steam out of them and they just weren't the same team and you know then you talk about what happened going into this season the mysterious beef with stefan diggs being unhappy with the team and his contract or 
whatever else, you know, he was whoever, whoever else he was unhappy with, with it, it was a head coach, Sean McDermott, or if it was strictly just Josh Allen, or if it was overblown the beef, but regardless, there was, there was something there and there was some kind of problem. And Sean McDermott led him to say that he was very concerned that Diggs was not present at training camp. And eventually that was resolved. And con- I think contractually or whatever, and Diggs was back, but clearly it's more about the money than, than it was about helping this team win. Cause maybe Diggs has given up on that at this point. And so anyways, Diggs is back though. Then they go on the road, lose to the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers was not a factor. A game I think that you really can't afford to lose, especially a division game where it's head-to-head, and that's a win or loss. That's that's a loss now in your direction instead of a win, and that's a win for the Jets when it should have been a loss for them, and you should have already been one up on them after the injury. And it just feels like the Buffalo Bills, when they're not at their best, they can't close out games. And it's kind of like the Josh Allen comparison to Philip Rivers, I think a little bit, but that's kind of the general feeling I'm getting from the Buffalo Bills. Yes, they did rebound. They took care of business against the Raiders, but I mean, I, I, when it comes down to playing the, the contenders, when it comes to the Eagles, the Dolphins, potentially um, you have the chiefs, obviously the Bengals, all the best teams, the 49ers, are you, how many times are you going to be betting that the Buffalo Bills are the ones coming out? You know, even if they're playing at home, how many times are you going to bet the, bet the Bills are winning that game? Uh, I'm going to say it's not very often for me, or maybe not at all, honestly. And I'm guessing not very often for everybody else. But what's supposed to be the best team in New York, they, they're looking shaky. And that's, you know, a nice way of putting it, I think. Yeah, I mean – the thing with the Bills, right, is they did bounce back against the Raiders, and Josh Allen had a great game. But, it, you know, I don't know if you really look at that game and go, oh, yeah, that's a testament to how good this team is. But I do think it's clear Stefan Diggs is not happy there and doesn't want to be there anymore. I, I think it feels like the culture is flat with McDermott. and Lost its spice a little bit. I wonder, yeah, like Brian Dable leaving clearly has – I think has affected the bills. And I think most people would agree with that. And so I wonder if McDermott is really the, it's kind of sounds stupid to say the long-term answer because he's been there for a while, but should he's remain as the head coach is he's still the right fit, you know, a defensive guy for, for Josh Allen. And um, you kind of wonder, you know, I, I just, I don't feel the flair. I don't feel the, the momentum, the energy with Sean McDermott, I think. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it kind of, it kind of feels flat. But, I mean, hey, like, Josh Allen still is a decent quarterback. Like, I think he's gotten a lot of flack recently. But I don't think he's I – don't, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with the kind of overrated narrative that's kind of going around with him just yet. Like, I, I still think he's a pretty good quarterback. Maybe he's not the guy or maybe the Bills just aren't going to ever win a Super Bowl with him. I think that's still out for debate. But to say that he's overrated I think is still a little bit of a reach. Yeah. All right, but that, that's all I have for Clown of the Week. We can wrap that up finally. And we got that was a good one, though. Nice, that, nice little two for one special Clown of the yeah. Week, as, I mean, as as per like every other few. That, that is per usual now. Yeah, that is per usual, which is nice. But uh, we didn't even add Stephen A. Oh man, <laughs> like we could have, we could have made this that, episode like three hours long talking about how Stephen A. I mean, why, why is why is Stephen A. throwing out a first pitch? What what is he doing? You know. He doesn't like, know anything about baseball. It's like when he talks about MMA. Like so everyone in the everyone in the UFC community like hates Stephen A. Smith because 
he'll like they'll bring him on to talk about MMA and it's like you don't know anything about this sport whatsoever. <laughs> You're just sitting here babbling. Like I, I think Stephen A's gotten a lot of hate in recent like weeks, obviously with like the Matt Kellerman, uh, Max Kellerman drama. Yeah. You know, they got him fired and like it's kind of it kind of seems like Stephen A is one of those guys that like isn't that easy to work with and has kind of gotten on his high horse and and now he's gonna you know as they say you know people on their high horse have a uh, have a, a long way to fall so he he started to make his money become more involved in conflict than really just for being on TV and his regular opinions you know it's that's the, the Stephen A brand I think at this point. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not his separate show that he has now. It's not, it's not, it's, it's about how active his Twitter account has been, you know, that's, that's what and he doesn't, he doesn't do like the podcasting narrative. And like, I think that that's obviously become so popular. I mean, insanely popular. Like I saw a tweet yesterday that was like, I feel like every NBA role player now has a podcast. Yeah. And I was like, I definitely would rather listen to some NBA role player, talk about basketball and listen to their opinions than Stephen A. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to, and I wonder about that with our show too. Cause like, obviously I've never played football, but like, you know, you, you find that balance within like the sports kind of commentary community of like the people that don't play, but have the comedic factor or like have a little bit of, you know, something that they can bring to the table that's different. But like, it's, it's obviously from like that ESPN level, you have to think right at some point. Okay. Like they've clearly done a shift to have more athletes involved in the commentary side of things. And like, obviously Shannon Sharp is now with on first take with Stephen A Smith. So like, I feel like at some point, right. Like Stephen A might get, get pushed out. I it's mean, possible. yeah, who knows? Maybe he overwelcomes to stay, but for, he's the highest paid personality ESPN. It's because he does attract attention for the right or wrong reasons or, you know, whatever, And Maybe that doesn't matter to ESPN. I but, wish I got paid for that. <laughs> yeah. That being said, <laughs> you'd be really good at that. <laughs> that being said, <laughs> We got to talk about how strange the start to the season has been. For the first time ever, for example, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Detroit Lions, the Cleveland Browns, so already a you know interesting bunch, poverty bunch, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars all started one and zero. So that's already you know a bit 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 strange. That's something I don't think we we've never seen. Um, yeah, but Jacksonville ever. did drop one to the Chiefs, and then the ja- were- yeah obviously the Jags did lose to the Chiefs, unfortunately. But we also got injuries. And the the lesser injuries, Joe Burrow aggravating his calf injury. Clearly, that has has something to do with him not playing at, at the level that the regular level that we have been accustomed to seeing from him. He has not been Joe Burrow. He has not been icy. Instead, uh, well, he's been cold in other ways. I guess just ice cold. And, icy with his throws. And so he has an aggravated calf injury. I wonder how that's going to affect him going forward if he has to miss games. But maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe he should not be playing until he is fully healthy. Because clearly, it's been it's been a problem for the Bengals. It's not just a slow start. It's been something to do with this calf. And we saw them go 0-2 last year. But you know, this is this is you know, kind of this is different. So Bengals need to figure that out. And then you got Saquon Barkley already hurt again. Hate to see it, especially from the guy that we thought is the best running back in the NFL potentially, and he was trying to get his money and. Kind of didn't really work out for him, and now a long-term contract doesn't look like it's going to be happening there for him. And then you go to Nick Chubb, and he's out for the season after a terrible, just terrible, awful injury that you absolutely hate to see, and that's an understatement even. And 
sucks for the Browns. It really does because Nick Chubb really is that team. And I don't know if, you know, an offense with Deshaun Watson looking the way he has looked um, as a Cleveland Brown compared to the Houston Texan is going to get it done. And with Jerome Ford as the running back. Um, I And I don't think Stefanski has, can elevate the passing offense. Even with the talent, I think he's got some great talent at wide receiver. You know, you talk about Elijah Moore they brought in. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones has, you know, pretty good hands. And they still got Amari Cooper, who's still balling, doing his thing. But I just don't think they got the right pieces at quarterback. And I don't know if Stefanski's the right offensive mind. But, yeah, so that they, that's Nick Chubb, and he's done for the season. Suck for fantasy, too. I'm glad I did not draft him. And David Montgomery, he has a quad injury, starting running back for the Lions. So, and it seems like he's going to be missing some time. And sucks. That's the Lions want to be a physical team, run the football, downhill running back. Well, their guy that they had to replace Jamal Williams, he's not there um, at the moment now. And then you got Jalen Waddle and concussion protocol. That's a big one for the Dolphins. Um, it looks like they were they were just fine versus the Patriots. Uh, Waddle because Jalen Waddle didn't wasn't a huge factor. Um, but yeah, he's got a concussion. Now. And then you have OBJ. He's got an ankle injury. That's not really great to see for the Baltimore Ravens. And then you got Anthony Richardson with his re- play style. You might call it reckless, but he's got to learn how to play, man. And he's got he's got to learn how to how to run the football in the NFL versus the way he did it at Florida. Um, because yeah, he's already in concussion protocol. He hasn't been able to finish both of the first two games that he started. He hasn't been able to finish a single game yet. So they got to figure that out with Anthony Richardson. And kind of sucks because that hit um, that he took, well, when he was falling back and hit his head on the turf, it didn't even look like that bad of a hit. But that's like the way it goes. And, you know, he was supposed to be wearing – he's wearing supposedly the safest helmet the in the vices. NFL. The vices. <laughs> and it just wasn't – it still wasn't enough. So um, I don't know what that means for Tua, man. Hopefully Tua can avoid – uh, with his two jitsu took a two he did in the off season. Um, and speaking of the Miami the Dolphins, th- this has been a team that, man, I had him in my power rankings mid season, looking like the se- second best team in the NFL, just behind the Chiefs, and looking like the main competition to the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. And this team has picked up right where it left off when Tua was healthy, and they look dangerous, man. And they. It, obviously, Vic Fangio is still coaching up the defensive side of the football. They didn't have Jalen Phillips against the Patriots, so the defense wasn't quite up to their full strength and wasn't as effective maybe as they would like. And Jalen Ramsey is actually also hurt. He's not going to be coming back to him mid-season, I think, or late, maybe late season. So we won't know exactly what the Dolphins will look like at full strength until later in the season, but they sure look pretty damn close the way they aired it out against the Chargers. And basically, Denny, like, they were did not try completely against the Patriots, and they made it a little closer than they should have. Yeah, but if you just take away an awful pick from Tua, you know, and it really in a missed field goal, they would have easily rolled right over the Patriots and made it no contest. So Miami Dolphins, yeah, Mike McDaniel, just such a unique personality. He clearly team chemistry is really good over there, and he's also clearly a already an established mind in the NFL and teams still have not been able to figure out his offense. This is no fluke. And Dolphins are really fun to watch, man. This is maybe the most fun to watch team in the NFL with, you know, Tua, all the speed they have, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. So I'm excited to see what this team does and 
as long as they are all healthy. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are an interesting one, right? Because like Jalen Waddle really like has struggled with injuries since he's been in the NFL, and same with Tua. And so that's kind of the only question I really have for the Dolphins, right? Is like Mike McDaniel's a good coach, like they have a solid defense. Can you stay healthy for a whole year? Because like I mean, I, I think Tua has to be considered one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL when he's healthy. I mean, he's already threw uh, four TDs, the two interceptions, which is like looks bad. But like, if you've watched the Dolphins play, you're like, this guy's good. Like he he airs it out really well, and he's a good leader. And it it's clear like everyone you know he kind of has control of the locker room. And and the, like I think this like the AFC North is definitely theirs to lose at this point um, moving forward. But again, it's like, can they stay healthy? No, yeah, for sure. And that's why that's going to make the – that's why we play a full season. we got to see who will make it to the end play, of the season. Play 17 games, man. And that being said, also, San Francisco 49ers, this team looks like the wow. best team in the NFL right now. And Because they are just rolling opponents. They absolutely dismantled the Steelers, made them look like this team is not going to be sniffing the playoffs <laughs> this year. And they, I had him going 12 and 5. I'm not so sure now, right now. Penny, Kenny Pickett has not grown with the second year of Matt Canada. And I wonder if the Steelers just were trying to hold on to Matt Canada, who is the consensus worst coordinator in the NFL right now. Um, I wonder if they just tried to hold on to him to have some continuity for Kenny Pickett as a young quarterback in the NFL with a lot of room to grow for him. And doesn't look like that might have been the best decision right now through the first two weeks especially because they just have so much talent, man, on offense. And Najee Harris looks a little bit hobbled. <laughs> he doesn't quite look the same. But, dude, you have George Pickens, who is a baller. You have other guys on the outside, and it's just not working. So kind of wonder what's going on with the Steelers. But as of the 49ers, what I do know is this is the best team in the NFL. And Brock Purdy made some really nice throws last night, man. He was making throws off his back foot to Ronnie Bell. Of all, he can make Ronnie Bell look good and score touchdowns for him. And the Giants are doing their thing with their wide receivers, and they're not doing much. <laughs> I'll tell you that right can now. We just say Brock Purdy is is eight and zero as a starter in the regular season. Guys like playing for Brock Purdy. They, like George Kittle, the way he was talking about him in the post game press conference after Thursday night, he, they were like, "Yeah, everybody loves Brock Purdy." Like, dude, we we love playing with this guy, basically. And I mean, he, he's, he was he's, really excited. Like his eyes were lighting up talking about Brock. He's third right now for uh, tied for third for uh, touchdowns, and he leads the league in yards. And I think he's also top five in uh, passer rating. So, like I, like I think a lot of guys, right, and a lot of people in in the football world have kind of wondered if if Brock Purdy's just kind of a system QB, kind of like how Jimmy G was, or really anybody that would be on the you know to be running the 49ers offense. But I, I really think this guy's legit. Like I mean, again, like like we said yesterday when we were talking about. Uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State. It's like, like Brock Purdy has only shown everyone in the last few weeks and even last year that like he's the real deal. And part of that is even just looking at his like Iowa State career and seeing like kind of how they're playing now without him, like and then where that program's gone since he's left. I mean, I, I think we definitely have to start having that conversation of like, is this guy a legit like starter in the NFL? I mean, I think we already are there, but it's like, is like, is he is he kind of encroaching on that like kind of elite level of QBs that you know potentially could 
could mean that you know, I, like he's an MVP candidate, which I have heard in the last few days. I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you crazy would... to say. I don't think he would. I don't think he would win it. But like, hey, like you never know. I mean, if if they keep winning, and not to mention just... Christian McCaffrey, he has three hundred and fifty three yards rushing right now. Obviously, like that, it helps that he has the extra game on everybody. But yeah. like, still, even like including that's, the o- fact that's he... over a hundred yards a game in the NFL. Yeah. Averaging that is ridiculous. It's insane. And and yeah. and B. John Robinson is second with one eighty. And again, like. Think about that, like how, like B. John Robinson would basically have to run for like 130 yards, like no, like almost 200 yards to to catch him. Even more than that, like yeah, almost 200, like 180, 180 yards, which is not going to happen. So like, I mean, it's crazy to see how fast, uh, how fast Christian McCaffrey's gotten out of the gate in terms of leading the league in yards and clearly showing he's the best running back in the league by far. Yeah, but the Fortnite is just getting it done and. Another team that's getting it done for sure and looks like one of the best teams in the NFL. Hate to say it, Finn. You know I hate to say this too. And it's no. the Dallas Cowboys. And dude, not to not to rain on the Giants even more, but there was yeah, literally there was literally no semblance of a pocket when Daniel Jones dropped back to pass in week one. There was like it is not something I've never seen before. It like this this pocket had literally collapsed before the play had even started. There was seriously no semblance of a pocket for Daniel Jones. I mean, it was it was like I was I was scared for him. I felt so bad watching Daniel Jones trying to do that against um, against the Cowboys defense. Man, Dan Quinn has a freaking unit, and these guys. It's kind of crazy because like a lot of these guys are not big names. They're kind of names you've never even heard of, especially on the defensive front. I mean, we we do know Demarcus Lawrence a little bit because he did get a big contract at one point. But it's not like he's been necessarily just dominating the game. Um, Jonathan Hankins, I mean, he's a veteran. <clears throat> they drafted uh, Mozzie Smith, the first-round pick, to help get some youth inside there and get more physical, and I think that was a good pick. And I think he, he should he should get some playing time pretty soon here and be really good. Um, but you got, like, Osa Odigizua. I, I know you want that jersey, Finn. But <laughs> oh, that would be a sick jersey, yeah. Osa, I mean, well, so but, um, what, do you, what do you think, like, now with Trayvon Diggs out, do you, how how much of a difference do you think that makes on this team? Because like yeah. obviously the defensive line is insane. Like Micah Parsons may be the best player in the NFL right now. Yeah, that, that is outside the question. of TJ Watt and McCaffrey. But that like, is the question because you got a guy like Deron Bland now <clears throat> starting a corner, a guy I've never even heard of, and that doesn't sound like a spell success to me. Bland does not sound like success to me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you do you do wonder how how much steam does that take out of the high powered unit that is the Dallas deep. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation in Dallas because I just would like to say to Cowboy fans, let's just wait till the divisional round of the playoffs before we decide anything. Like, right? Because, like, yeah, your team's really good, but, I mean, I don't really care how good your team is. Go win a Super Bowl. That's, yeah. that's the level we're at with the Cowboys, I feel that, like. That like, is fact. They, like, they've okay. created that situation for themselves where no matter how bad their team is, no matter how good their team is, like everyone's going to laugh at them if they don't make the Super Bowl, even if we know they're not going to, because it's just like, it's just, that's the attitude and the charisma that that organization seems to like flout every single season. Dude, their offense basically only had to put up 21 points against the Jets to get it done. Like they only had to put up 21 points and then you had defense touchdown, whatever. So like that, they barely even have to try. And I think people are forgetting too, that Dak can game manage. No problem. I mean, 
he's when he has to play with the lead, like he's great. But when he doesn't get to play with the lead, that's when things change. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that right now, just because of how dominant this defense has been and how physical and just ridiculous Michael Parsons has been. And man, I would love to see him win MVP just because that dude is different. I think we can all yeah, agree but- on that at this point. But that's the question I think is, is Dak Prescott at the end of the day going to hold up his end of the bargain when it matters most in the biggest games, when the lights are brightest? I, I don't think so. And I think a lot of people, and Stephen A. Smith at least, we know for sure he agrees with that statement. I, I just, I think the thing with the Cowboys is they got to play somebody. I mean, uh, I mean, the Giants and Jets aren't necessarily, I think, two teams right now that you would say are a good, like, kind of eye test evaluation to see how good another team is, right? Like, we need, like, we need them to play the Eagles. We need them to, like, you know, kind of, like, I don't really want to have an opinion on this team and how good they are until, like, we really see them come up against an offense, right? That's going to give them, you know, a challenge. Because, as you said, like, Dak can play with the lead, but the real question is, is Dak going to win you a game? Is Dak going to run the two-minute drill and win and, you know, and like get you in field goal range to like, you know, win those kind of tight, tight, uh, tight games? I don't know. That, yeah. that, that I think is going to be the question for Dallas is like, is like if they play a 49ers again in the playoffs, like what, what, what team are we seeing? Because we know that like if it's a close game, that's, it's not going to be good for them. Like, and I don't know if I like teams where like, you're relying on your defense to shut down opponents just so you can win the game because you can't rely on your quarterback. Most definitely. And I think that's good. That's good for top three teams right now. Top three easily are, I got the San Francisco 49ers one. I put the Cowboys too, just because of how dominant that defense has been. Obviously Trayvon Diggs is a, is a tough loss though for that team. And then I put third, the Dolphins just because defense they haven't quite seen it be an elite unit, I think, quite yet, especially under new coordinator Vic Fangio. So, got to wait and see a little bit with the Dolphins' defense. But those are your top three teams, I think, consensus right now. I, I think I think everyone would agree. Like, I, I think there's I think there's elite units in the NFL that, like, are kind of, you know, like, for example, like the Saints, really elite defense, but bad offense. Vikings, really elite passing game, but bad running game and bad defense. So, like, it's, it, you know, and obviously it's so early – it's still so early, but yeah, I think cons- like I think it's hard to say there's any other team that's that's as good as those three right now. But yeah. speaking of like bad teams, for example, like you know there's there's kind of those like middle teams, right? Like the Packers, which mm-hmm. have really surprised me as well. Yeah, like you know where they've like they've kind of been bad. Like they were really bad against the the Falcons, uh, and didn't get the win, but you know, still look pretty good and dominated the bears in the first week. And by the way, I, I wanted, I wanted to mention this and I wanted to talk about the Packers and somehow segue into it. Not only because Jordan loves my fantasy uh, quarterback, but also he leads the league in uh, uh passer rating right now. And he's tied for first in the league for touchdown passes. Stop me. If you heard this before, another Packers quarterback leads the league in passer rating. Okay. I'm just saying, man, like something about green Bay like that franchise, what is it? Like for 30 years or potentially 30 years, you're going to just go from one franchise quarterback to another, like clockwork, the same way too. And I think that was like my biggest takeaway from week one uh, was watching that Bears Packers game. Cause like, you know, Bears fans like had such high hopes for this season. 
you know, like there was this whole idea that, you know, this team was different. The defense was better. They brought in DJ Moore. Like th this was going to be it, right? Like they finally had, you know, a dynamic quarterback. And then all for that to be blown up by Jordan Love, who most people probably wrote off at this point, and who now looks like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, at least through two games. And the Packers obviously had a bad loss to Atlanta, but I I mean, Atlanta's 2-0, and and Atlanta actually looks pretty good, and Desmond Ritter kind of has done what has been expected of him or needed of him to, to, to win games. Seems like, yeah, he's building confidence. He's building confidence, and and I would I would keep out for uh, I would watch out for Desmond Ritter too. I, I think this Falcons team could quietly win the uh, the uh, NFC South. Desmond Ritter, they're, they're, they're better. Smooth, they're better than people think they are. He has a smooth play style, and and Arthur Smith that, is a great head coach. Yeah, like an offense for him where it's run first, you can get some play action going. I think that would be great for Desmond Ritter, and yeah, hopefully he does continue success with the Falcons. And but I know a guy that's not building confidence right now, and that's Justin Fields. Oh. And we got to talk about the most popular debate right now in the nfl is are you with justin fields or are you with the bears on this one and i think a lot of people are not necessarily with what justin fields had to say about his, his uh, coaching staff and the way that he's been playing and what has been the cause of his play on the field through the first two weeks and a tough loss specifically to the tampa bay buccaneers let's listen to what he had to say real quick so like you know i wasn't necessarily playing my game So when you, the audio is a little bit tough to hear, maybe I think a little bit, but that was the best when they clipped it all together. But yeah, he says quite a, quite a few things. And the first thing he basically says about his struggles is he's like, yeah, um, coaching. <laughs> that's, that's not what you want to say first. Hey, to be man. fair. That's not what you want to lead with, especially if you're going to complain afterwards about the media taking what you said out of context that's well that's the first thing you said what what do you what do you expect yeah, us really to, out of context what do you expect us to think when that's the first thing you say especially with the pause before <laughs> that preface <laughs> this whole I thing mean, when you think about it right though i to say coaching what happened the, the funniest thing is what happened this week is the defensive coordinator for the bears resigned and got his house swatted so maybe just fields is not wrong now, whether you should have said that is another question. It's just an odd, think, coincidence, think, odd coincidence of events. I know. <laughs> right what there. A weird, I mean, what a way for your whole team and organization just to fall apart in two weeks. And then and then on top of that, too, is obviously if you go on Twitter now or X, you just see like all these videos of people just breaking down these Justin Fields uh, plays from the Buccaneers game. And it's just so bad. Like, it's just like there was that one, right, where they were in the red zone and it was, he had, a, I forget who it was over the middle. I think it might've been Darnell Mooney, but like, like the, like he said the coaching, but then you look at that play 
And it's like they broke the coverage. Like the 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 scheming worked there. They broke the coverage. They had multiple guys wide open. Yeah. And he just seems like he's seeing ghosts. Like he's not he's not making that throw. Dude, and- what's, what sticks out about that play that I think that has made it so bad and made it so widespread was you, you see the pocket that this guy had to throw with it was such a clean pocket. Like this thing was like 25 yards wide. <laughs> I've never seen a pocket so big. As much as we just talked about Dana Jones having zero pocket, <laughs> Justin Fields had three times the size of a pocket that you should not be allowed to have <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, this was insane. And he still hesitated to pull the trigger, which was the crazy thing of all things. And and he didn't make a single play out of it. Couldn't could even escape the pocket and scramble for a couple yards upfield. He waited too late. Somebody defensive tackle then collapsed on him, whatever. But yeah, Again, that, the first of uh, Ohio State quarterbacks. Like the the just the pocket size was insane on that play, and that that's been the epitome, I guess, of how he's been doing so far this season. And it's tough to, it's tough to lose to the Buccaneers team that wasn't supposed to really be that good, especially in. Um, if if you the thing is though, so he says a couple things right in this press conference. He says he's been he's playing robotic, which is like oh that's odd. That's not really something you normally say, and then. He initially suggests that coaching is what has primarily affected his game through the first two weeks. Okay, not great. Uh, but he ends the press conference with saying, you know, he, he needs to be thinking less, playing more. And he says, overall, I have to play better. If you just say that, like, that that will be just fine. There's nothing to see here. And you look like a mature guy. And hopefully you figure it out and more people are rooting for you. But you got you got some more controversy, especially with Bears fans. And, and the media, and now with potentially your coaching staff, uh, because an hour later he had called him, he had to summon the media back into the locker room now, and we can't what he said. He he had to tell the media stop taking what I said out of context. Uh, no, this is all on me. Like I have to play better. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, a little too late, man. You kind of you kind of dug yourself a hole here, and kind of in a, in a not in a tough way. So. Um, yeah, you, you don't want to add more fuel to the fire when your team sucks. You don't, you don't want to make it worse and now bring more questions, especially about you. You might be playing for your job. So, um, and I, I would assume if it doesn't work out with the Bears, Justin Fields will get another chance somewhere else. At the again, it is only week two though, or going into week three now. So this is kind of an over. This might be an overreaction completely <laughs> to say that he won't be playing for the Bears next year. But man, th- this is a uh, the tank is not. It's looking strong, at least, um, if if you're the Bears. Um, trading out of the number one pick, bold move. But losing with Justin Fields in year three now, that's even bolder. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Yeah, it – yeah. But I, it just it just is kind of a little bit of another classic Bears season. And, and again – you just have to wonder, right? Like what, what do they do with a guy like Justin Fields? If they clearly can't develop him, like, you know, do you trade him and try and get a little value out of him? Like, you know, especially if you're like, Oh, and five or Oh, and six, like halfway through the season, you know, maybe there's a team that's willing to trade and then you get like extra draft picks. That's a wild thing to say, but I mean, it's just, it seems like right now in the NFL, you know, the, the, the window for, for proving yourself in terms of being a quality starter is just gotten smaller, uh, is uh, smaller and smaller. And, no disrespect to this Buccaneers team, by the way. I, want, I do want to say that, like, we should shout out Baker Mayfield. He's playing. He's playing out of his mind right now, which is cool to see. But 
yeah, I, I it's got to be a weird time for Bears fans because you just had like so much hope. Uh, and maybe like honestly, I don't know another franchise that had more excitement outside of the maybe the Jets, obviously the Jets going into this season. And like it's almost like the Jets, at least, right? It was kind of like quick, you know, like you just got like shot in the head and it's over with. Whereas like with the Bears, it kind of feels like it's just going to be, you know, slowly just getting diced up over time like a medieval torture of a season because yeah like if it only gets worse from here right then it starts to really uncrumble or crumble and then it's uh, the defensive coordinator situation as well is just so insane to have that happen like in the middle of the week like there's no way they go out this sunday and win like they just don't (laughs) yeah like bet the you're not (laughs) bet bet the opponent to cover against whoever the bears are playing because yikes but I'm not ready to call it Justin Fields a bust just yet, though. I know you no, are. I, think I know you are. It's not surprising because he's an Ohio State product, and you should be very loyal to him. But <laughs> it's really un- unnormal. Not normal for you. Abnormal. But, yeah, I'm not ready to call him a bust yet. I, I think it's still too early. And this is very similar to, like, the Jalen Milrow situation we talked about yesterday Is in, in, with Alabama. Is Yeah, he's the starting quarterback, and he's not playing his best. But – he is super talented and he's not getting a ton of support around him right now. And the bears just haven't done a great job building around Justin Fields, especially on offense. And maybe he, the coaching is not great. I'm guessing it probably isn't, <laughs> but it, he needs more help. Like you can't just, you know, put this all on Justin Fields and it, it might be easy to, when he makes comments like this now, but it, it's not all on Justin Fields. And I, it's still too early to tell. Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's one of those situations where you, you really have to start looking as well at, at the other kind of issues going on within this organization. This is this um, is more Sam Donald with the Jets right now. Like this, like yeah. what? Do you, how do you expect him to really find success? You know, when every, almost every team in the division is better than you too. Like that doesn't help. So, what do you think of what do you think of CJ Stroud playing really well? Like how do you think that? Because I was wondering that because right because CJ Stroud is is arguably statistically a top 10 quarterback in the league and at least from a yardage standpoint and the passer rating standpoint but like i feel like that almost hurts justin field's case right because it's like it's like you have this one guy who's thrown for more 300 yard games in two games than you have in 27 and he was your backup in college like that's got to be concerning right like that's almost got to like kind of be a little bit of a sign that maybe he's just not meant to be a quarterback. I think Justin Fields definitely can make a career. If quarterback doesn't work out, I think he can make a career as a wide receiver or running back. Oh yeah. The dude's dynamic. He's got size. Yeah, for sure. I think that he's worth worth the shot trying something else, maybe safety. Um, So he can give out the hits instead of taking gnarly ear shots and having CTE by 25, you know, but uh, (laughs) cause the the Chicago treatment has not been good. No, but, but, yeah, that, that is a little bit discouraging, especially because you think about what C.J. Stroud is working with in Houston. It's not nothing. Drastic, it's not drastically different. Uh, it might be, it might be even a worse situation. Arguably, I don't know who the offensive coordinator is in Houston, is and but maybe that is helping C.J. Stroud out the most. I would assume so. Probably why that's you know because I felt like it was similar to Justin Herbert finding success so early on because he was going to have struggles. Is well, he had Shane Steichen, and Shane Steichen has proved to be a really great offensive mind. And now he's turned that into, you know, a head coaching job with the Colts. But yeah, as far as, as far as that goes, I mean, I know we're just trying to find something 
nice to say about Ohio State quarterbacks, even though they have started 0-6 the year in the NFL between Burrow, Fields, and Stroud. But, yeah, this is – um, that, that's not that's not good. Yeah, you don't – Texans of all teams are not a team that's supposed to have anything nice to say about them. But if Stroud is playing well, despite what he is working with, then it, there's not – a ton of thing excuses really for Fields in Chicago, but maybe I think the difference has to be probably coaching to a degree. Yeah, it's it's just it seems like it's going to be a long season for the Bears. <laughs> their their fans are the used Bears. to them, so. the, the Bears, Bears the Oh man, but uh, okay, I think that will that will sum it up for us. I think we had a really good productive pod. Yeah. One of, well, that was one of our best pods in a while. That was good stuff. Well, we, we didn't get to like a few teams like the Steelers and, and the, we talked a little bit. We talked a little bit about the Steelers, but I feel like, I feel like there's, there's really good guys out there that offer great, hilarious commentary on the Steelers who have been on this podcast before. But, oh, Oh yeah. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Shout out the boy tree. Uh, I don't know if he listens, but, but we, respect, be- we respect you. There's going to be plenty more to talk about, I'm sure, as the NFL season goes on. A little bit disappointing, I think, start just in a lot of, like, weird, you know, a lot of unexpected things have happened. And But it's the NFL, and that's what that's what it happens in the NFL. So I'm excited to see what happens. Thanks so much for tuning in. Look forward to us talking a lot more football next time we are here. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you.